Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning is going to come from the book of Philippians, the book we've been moving through throughout our series. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and devices to Philippians chapter 4. Our sermon is going to be based on just three verses, verses 10 through 13, a perhaps most notable verse from God's Word this morning. We'll get to that in just a moment, but before we begin, would you please join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A 15-year-old, 15-year-old high school student never got cut from any of the sports teams that he tried out. Never got rejected by a girl, had a 4.0 grade point average each semester that he was at school, and was voted his class's president. He was proud to call this verse, which just happened to be his confirmation verse, his favorite verse in the Bible. A mother, now single mother, in her mid-30s, impressively and successfully left behind an abusive relationship. She made it out on her own and was doing well on her own and looking back on all that she had escaped and looking forward ambitiously to a brighter future, she decided she was going to get this verse tattooed right here on her arm. Grandfather, dealing with lung cancer, proudly took this verse as his fervent proclamation and foundation during the difficult diagnosis and battle. One more. Tim Tebow, college quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, charismatic Christian, larger-than-life personality who made a huge splash and tons of hype when he got into the NFL, had this verse painted right here on his eye black. The verse I'm talking about, Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's a powerful verse, isn't it? These believers and believers, whether young or old, and believers, millions of them throughout the United States who make this verse one of the most searched online verses ever, every year, especially this year, as they're grinding through 2020, they know it. They know that Philippians 4.13 is an inspirational verse. It's a motivational verse. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. After all, take God, who is God Almighty, his power, sprinkle in a believer who knows God, who trusts God, who loves God, mix it together, and he or she can do whatever they set their sights on, right? right? What happens when that high schooler grows up and finds out there's some things that, well, he just can't do? He, he can't even get a job. 
What happens when that mother finds out that there's some things, some problems, in fact, all problems are things you, you just can't leave behind and, and run away from? What happens when that grandfather closes his eyes in faith in the Lord and dies? What happens when that NFL quarterback can't even make an NFL roster? What happens then? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? When life cuts you out at the knees and the very things that were serving as the foundational pillars of your life are no longer there, there's sadness. There's frustration, resentment, discontentment. So much for joy. So much for I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So why did God do it? Why, why did he lay out something so inspiring in his word if, if it's not entirely true? Well, here's a little secret for you. God's word is true. It's true all of the time. And, and here's one more secret. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, and in fact, the surrounding verses, what God gives you here is the secret. The secret to contentment. The secret to having joy and having joy that will last. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because let's admit it. We're people who like secrets call it life hacks or, or secrets, we enjoy that, right? <laughs> How many of you have looked at someone you love and admire or, or maybe someone uh, that you don't know personally, a celebrity, a, a TV personality, whom you respect, whom you admire and think, what's the secret to living life like that? We want to know. What's the secret to having stronger relationships and stronger marriages? What is it? What's the secret to parenting more successfully and, and raising kids who make good decisions all of the time? What's the secret? What's the secret to having a body that's healthy all of the time? What's the secret to having less debt, more money? What's, what's the secret to these things? What's the secret to having a life that, well, it's smooth sailing? And speaking of sailing, not that I want that as my hobby, but what's the secret to having more time for hobbies or just more time for spending with my kids? What's the secret to, to having everything, all things, at, le at least just the things that we want? Well, Paul's going to tell us, but, but here's the secret you got to know about Paul who wrote Philippians chapter 4, the letter to the Philippians. His life was anything but smooth sailing when he wrote this verse. The people that he loved seeing so much, he couldn't see. The job, the gospel ministry that he loved and was proud of, by and large, it was taken away from him. And yet he wrote his epistle of joy. And yet he wrote the words, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How? Let's find out. Would you follow along with me as I read Philippians chapter 4? We're going to read just a few verses, verses 10 through 13. Paul says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, 
You were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The word of your God. Did you catch what's going on in Paul's life? Or at least going on in the surrounding verses to this very famous verse, Philippians 4, 13? The Apostle Paul is not laying out a humble brag for the things that he has accomplished. This is not, I can do all things, yeah, through him who gave me strength. (laughs) No, look back on on what Paul has said in this letter, and, and you know it. He considers all his accomplishments, and he had many of them, all the things that he was proud of in his life. What did he say they are? It's a bag of garbage. I consider everything a loss to comparing knowing Christ. What else did he say? Is this, is this ambition for accomplishing things in the future? No, recall chapter one. The apostle Paul is writing this from prison. Paul's not sure if he's going to live beyond the next day or week or month. He said, for me to live is Christ and, well, to die, that's, that's gain. The apostle Paul is writing this not knowing what his next couple days are going to be, if he's going to get to see his friends or family, if he's going to get to see or do the things that he wants to do, go visit with them, share the gospel with them, have a fruitful life, have a productive ministry. So what's Paul saying? How is he able to write this with such joy, with such strength? Well, more more reflective translation or or reflection of of what Paul is saying in here, when, when you consider all that's going on in the verses surrounding and in the verses his life, is not I can do all things or I can do all of this, yeah, through him who gives me strengths. But Paul is saying, as to every circumstance that I find myself in, In every situation I'm in, I'm strong because of the one who keeps strengthening me. Yeah, I I can do all of this, not because of me, but because of the one who keeps strengthening me. What Paul's saying is it's not my achievements or it's not my accomplishments. It's not my future dreams or my present circumstances that make me strong. It's the almighty Lord in me continually strengthening me. What Philippians 4.13 is saying is it's saying that it's, it's about contentment in any situation rather than the enjoyment of every situation. Philippians 4.13 is all about contentment even when you have nothing. It's, it's not about the capacity to have everything. It's about contentment no matter what, not the capability to do anything that you want. That's the secret. That's the secret that Paul's talking about. I was thinking about this this verse and about the Apostle Paul this week. As we were wrapping up our section on Philippians, I get a little sentimental about our sermon series, saying goodbye to this one, moving on to the next. And I thought about all that we're going through during this very unprecedented year. I thought 
what if Paul lived now? What if the apostle Paul was our pastor? Would he say this? reflecting on everything that I know you're going through, that you know this community and nation is going through, would Paul say this? Would Paul still encourage us to say this? You think about Paul's life. He had a lot of reasons to be happy, to be joyful, to be content. You heard it in the lesson we read this morning from 2 Corinthians. You heard it a couple of weeks back when Paul was talking about his life before being a Christian. He had it made. He was the best of the best in academia, in religion, in his zealous approach to his religion. He was proud of his family. He was from a proud family. He had reasons for being pretty content. Even in 2 Corinthians, once he became a Christian and was the greatest missionary, you know, Paul had reasons to be pretty proud of his work, setting up churches all over Asia Minor and Europe, having visions, special revelations from the Lord. Paul had a lot of reasons, just like you do, to be joyful, to be content. And yet here's the secret. Paul doesn't base his source of identity in any of those things. His identity doesn't come from the fact that he accomplished this, achieved this, or did that, or will do this. His identity doesn't come from the fact that God gave him very special abilities. And therefore, his joy and his contentment, oh, they didn't come from those things either. That's the secret. What do you base your identity in? You see, if your identity comes from having respect or having money, if it comes from having a family that looks like they have it all together, if it comes from the abilities that you have, the things that you're able to do personally or professionally, if that is your identity, if that is the source of your strength, the source of your joy, the reason that you're content Well, having those things threatened, having those things harmed, or even having those things taken away from you, they're going to radically move you off the misplaced foundation of your joy. And you're going to end up jaded. You're going to end up discontent. (laughs) But when your source of identity when who you are and, and, and what you are and how you live in this life well, comes from the identity that you have in Christ. When with Paul, you're able to say with Paul that he is and has given me everything that I need for this life and the next. When you're able to look on any situation in your life, whether you are well-fed or hungry, figuratively or literally, well, whether you are living with plenty or you're finding that there is something that you're wanting and you're able to look at this and say, in any situation, no matter what, I'm strong, I'm joy-filled because there is one who keeps giving me joy, keeps filling me with strength. Well, then you're not only going to know joy, But even when you do suffer, even when things in your life that you love are taken away from you, harmed or threatened, you're going to be driven further and further into the source of your joy. Look, what I'm saying is this. 
when you do experience pain, when you do experience suffering, and, and those things are inevitable this side of heaven, you're going to find out the reason for your joy. You're going to see more of the hope you have for constant, continual contentment. You have a God who bled so that you would be filled with your joy. You have been given a life of constant contentment in any and every situation because your God has put his li your life on his back and carried it to a hill. Look, Jesus Christ didn't shy away from suffering. He knew suffering. He knew your suffering. And so he dove headfirst into the muck and the mire of this world and your life and our sin, and he emptied himself. He who was living with plenty, who had everything, emptied himself. Also, us who, who desperately want and desperately need could find in him what we, what we very much need his forgiveness, his righteousness that comes by faith, his standing before God that by our baptism means that our identity is one of this. We are sons and daughters of our God. And that can't be taken away from you. That can't be removed from you. That is what Paul is saying is my constant source of strength and joy. Do you know the only thing, the only thing that can take away <laughs> your joy, and your contentment in life? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not the devil. It's not suffering. It's not tragedy. You know what it is? It's our idolatry. It's your and mine idolatry. Worshiping or loving something else over and above Christ. Think about it. Whenever we in life hold on to something more tightly than we hold on to God, well, that's, that's when we know joylessness. That's when we know discontent. There is just one thing. There is just one thing in all the world. It is the gospel, the message of Christ Jesus, who lived for you, died for you, rose for you, and still today is living and ruling all things out for you, strengthening you in every situation. This message that we call the gospel is the one reason why you're able to endure reckless and rough pain and still, and still know unrelenting joy. Look, here's a secret, and it's really good news, although it, it sounds completely the opposite of it. If you hold on to anything more tightly than God as the reason or the source of your identity, your security, your hope, your good feelings, I'm talking about joy and contentment. Know this, you're going to have a God who loves you so much that he's going to rip those things out of your hands. <laughs> Even in our sinfulness, when we hold on to things more tightly than we hold on to God, what we know is this. We have a God who is so strong, who loves us and holds us. And even though it seems like pain and the fact that he's killing us, what he's actually doing is freeing us. He's going to remove those things from us all so that we are driven further and further into the source of our strength, the source of our joy, the source of our contentment, which is him. You have a God who is saying to you here in Philippians 4.13 that I am promising you a better life. Not that's going to allow you to do any and everything that you want here on earth, 
but a better life entirely, a life in eternity, a life with me forever in heaven. That's what Philippians 4.13 says. It says, not that I can do all things, whatever I want, and God's going to wave his pixie dust over it, and I'm magically able to do it. But what he says is that in every situation, whether you have the things you want or don't, you have contentment. You have your source of joy, your source of strength. You have your Savior for you. You might be saying to me, this, this sounds really, really good here in church, but you don't know the loss that I've suffered personally. You don't know the pain that I've endured. I mean, after all, that is inevitable. We will suffer tragedy, we'll suffer hurt. And I've had dreams. <laughs> I've had things that I wanted to achieve, things that I want to do, and I'm nowhere near. In fact, <laughs> I'm frustrated. What is this about constant joy, constant contentment? Can I tell you about Paul's life a little bit? Paul, in, in service to his God and, and just in living his life as a Christian, he endured much. He endured beatings for his faith. He endured imprisonment wrongly because of sharing the gospel. More than once, he was shipwrecked and he suffered because of that. But also, very personally, he suffered because of God's grace, because he knew Christ. We heard it read in 2 Corinthians before. I'll, I'll read it again. He talks to God. He asks him to take it away, just like any of us would. No one wants to suffer. No one wants to have pain. And so Paul writes, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away my thorn in the flesh. But what was God's answer to him? God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul wrote this. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong." Here's the harsh truth. You can't do everything. You can't have everything that you want. You aren't enough. But Christ is. Christ and his grace is sufficient for you. They're more than enough. And though you can't do everything, Christ did everything for you and gives you everything that is his for you. That is the source of your joy. That is the source of your strength. And it's something that cannot be taken away from you no matter what. Let me just illustrate it this way. You guys have things that are reasons for strength. You think about if a global pandemic were to strike, what would that mean for me and my family financially, economically? And so we do, we, we save up our monies and we have our six month Dave Ramsey, you know, security account. And so we can, we can weather the storm we, we are strong to get through something like that. If you get sick or your kids get sick, nothing, nothing tragically or, or long-term or with coronavirus, but running a slight fever, you all have medicine in your cupboard for that. 
You have things that are able to help you strongly deal with whatever, whatever sickness you have. Physically, you got that. Think about personally. You go to work, you have a bad day, people don't treat you with respect, or something very much hard is frustrating you. But you have spouses who love you. You have friends who care about you, who will give you a word of comfort, who will give you a reason for strength. You're strong relationally. You're strong financially. You're strong physically. But you know this. Those things can't always be there for you. You know this. Sometimes those things, they've let you down. They, they've, they've caused you to feel weak because they're not there for you. There's one thing that always is. Your Savior is always there for you. Jesus is the constant. Those things didn't call into being this entire world. Those things didn't go to the cross for you, die for you, and then raise themselves from the dead. Those things didn't call into being things which were not and make them things that are. But he is the one who is there for you always constantly, and he does that for you. That's what Philippians 4.13 tells us. It maybe is a bit of a corny story, <laughs> and it's not a true story, but I think it's a really impactful one. Maybe some of you have, have heard me tell it before. It's the story of a farmer who lost his horse. <laughs> his horse ran away from him one day, and, and his neighbor came over and said to the farmer, he said, what a sad, what a bad thing has happened to you. Your, your, your horse ran away. That's awful. <laughs> farmer looked at his friend and said, no, no, no. You can never say something is happy or sad, good or bad. Just call it what it is. My horse ran away. Wouldn't you know it, a couple days later, the, the horse returned. And this time, this horse was leading 12 wild horses back into the stable, back into the farmer's field. Guess who should run over but the farmer's neighbor. He said, man, congratulations. What a, what a happy day. You must feel so good about this. You had no horses. Now you have 13. The farmer said, no, no. <laughs> Never call any circumstance good or bad, happy or sad. Just call it what it is. I have 13 horses. It's a month later, the farmer's son was, was training the horses, the wild ones, trying to tame them, and he got bucked. Broke his legs and two ribs. Neighbor came over, and you can guess what he said. And then it was a month later. The nation they were living in got called off to war, but the son, who was healing at home, well, didn't have to go and put himself in harm's way. He was able to stay with his family. Guess what the friend said then? Guess what the farmer said? Christians, never be too quick or never even label any circumstance, good or bad, happy or sad. Only say in all these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Only say this, if God is working all things out for those who love him, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Only say, rejoice in the Lord. I'll, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Here's the secret. There's nothing, nothing in all the world that can steal your joy or rob your contentment from you. Because no matter what situation or what circumstance you find yourself in, you're strong. I can do this. I can do all this. Because of the one who keeps strengthening you. 
because of Christ, who said to you in his word, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Amen.